0: Excellent. Well, I'm going to be reading from James. James chapter 5. So very important. So here James is lifting up these last key points that he's developed through the entire book. So we're going to be looking carefully at these last ones because the focus of these last ones is centered in prayer. Prayer for healing. Prayer for forgiveness of sins. Prayer where we're Encouraging each other and holding each other accountable. Prayer in all circumstances. So as we're looking at the healthy characteristic of the church, the characteristic that we're continuing to look at right now is prayer. A healthy church is a church that prays for each other. Where we're lifting each other up. We're lifting up each other and their concerns and our struggles. Where we're constantly lifting each other up in prayer so i'm going to read this is on page 1199 in the bible's provided in the chairs james chapter 5 starting at verse 13 is any one of you in trouble he should pray is anyone happy let him sing songs of praise is any one of you sick He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers... If one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit inspiring your, your truth and making it alive to us. Father, we pray for wisdom and understanding. We pray for discernment, that you would guide us into your truth, help us to understand your word correctly, and we pray that our lives would be transformed and our minds renewed according to your will and your ways. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. I had only been in Savoonga, Alaska, for about two months, and I received a phone call. The phone call was from Morris Tuli, and he called me up and said, oh, we need to gather in prayer. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was very new there. I didn't know all the everything that they understood of how things worked or how things happened so I was like okay where should we meet and he says well come to my house right away it is an emergency whoa so I flung the door open and grabbed my jacket and took off through the village as fast as I can and I got to Morris's house and I went in and the Hondas were that's what you call the ATVs the four-wheelers were pulling up outside and and all the elders and some of the people from the church were coming in. And I'm like, wow, this is something. And we gather on. I said, Morris, what's the emergency? And he says, well, one of our nieces is sick and in the hospital in Anchorage. And they called to have the village pray for her. I'm like, oh, okay so we prayed and prayed and prayed and read scripture and prayed and after a few hours we finally had a closing prayer and i went home and at the next sunday i talked to him and i said is it is this what you do and he says well of course doesn't the scripture say and he quoted me this passage and in those two years we were there I lost track of how many times we gathered to pray for this dear saint or this person or this person who was in prison or this one who was sick or this one. And they knew that's what they could do. Because out in this village, out on this island, they understood that <laughs> there was very little they could do. If someone was sick or someone was hurting, there was very little they could do but they could always do what is the most powerful and most effective in what the Scriptures call us to do, which is pray. I learned what it meant to pray for people, to confess and pray for sins, struggles, illness, and pain from the people in Sebulun. It was a powerful experience. And this was the passage they would, they would always read. They would always start out, we'd gather together and they'd say, gather the elders together and pray for the one who is sick and lift them up. So that's what they practice. So as we look at this passage of scripture, this is very important. We see where James, throughout the book of James, what he does is he takes the church and he takes them to Jesus Christ. The book of James is kind of like the Gospel of James, according to Jesus Christ. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then we have Romans, which is Paul's Gospel. He, he lays things out. But in the book of James, so often he's taking us back to the Gospels. He's taking the teaching of Jesus, crying it to the church. So as we go through this short passage, we can see where he's pointing us back to all these times where Jesus was lifting up the vital importance of prayer, the importance of accountability and encouragement, the power of God to bring healing, the power of God to forgive sins, and the power of God to restore the lost sinner. If you see the theme through this passage, it's all about restoring. It's about bringing unity where there's division and anger and strife, Whether it be within a relationship, whether it be within a marriage, whether it be within a church body or some community, we see where prayer is lifted up as that crucial aspect of bringing unity and the power of the Holy Spirit coming and bringing healing and unity. But we also see the powerful aspect of prayer in that process of rescuing someone who is wandering away from the truth wandering away and we see where prayer is lifted up as this key aspect of seeking to rescue and save the lost this is it this is it so many times again in savunga in the winter time when it was the time of blizzards and whiteouts it happened nearly Nearly every three weeks, people would be out on their snow machines, and then the whiteout would come, and they'd be lost. And then you'd have the village ready and forming a crew who would go to look for them, but we had to wait until it was clear enough, otherwise we would jeopardize more and more people. So many a time we'd go to the city hall or come to the church, and we'd have this crew together, and they'd have food and flashlights and everything prepared they'd have warm clothes and blankets and they'd be tied on the back of the snow machines and they'd have them full of gas and they'd be waiting there to take off to find these people who are lost who we know it's minutes or they'll freeze to death and die i mean this is a race we we know that a certain amount of time they'll be lost it's just too cold too harsh so literally the snow machines are out they're ready They're on the verge to take off. But while it's still a whiteout, what are we doing? We are praying. We are praying. And many a time we'd be praying, 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 praying. And finally the weather would just clear and boom, amen. And they'd run out, jump on those snow machines and go tearing off to look for those people. This is what we're seeing here, this rescue mission. There's nothing more dangerous and deadly than someone who wanders away from the truth of the gospel. This is the most dangerous, precarious situation someone can be in. Because we understand the eternal consequences. We understand what it is to die in disobedience, in rebellion, to die in unbelief. That means eternal separation, eternal destruction eternal life away from god and that is not what we want for anyone we pray and lift them up and we seek in prayer and we do everything we can to go and reach them with the gospel so that they can know life and love and forgiveness so that's what's at the heart of james chapter 5 if you'd like, you can follow along on the back of your bulletin. There's some uh, sermon notes. There's the outline. You can use that with the references as we walk through this, as we look carefully here. The first area I want to bring up is this understanding of prayer in suffering, sickness, and sin. These are the three S's that James lifts up here in this section. We go to prayer when we're struggling with Suffering, we go to prayer when we're struggling with sickness and we go to prayer when we're struggling with sin because we understand that whether it is suffering whether it is sickness or whether it is sin we are powerless we are absolutely completely dependent on god the creator the redeemer the savior he is the one who can bring healing he is the one who can bring comfort and He is the one who brings forgiveness. Just as Jesus spoke to the paralytic and said, your sins are forgiven, take up your bed and walk, we go to Christ, the one who can speak forgiveness and healing in our lives. We see where James begins there, verse 13. And I love this. There's a part for everyone to play. This is the entire body joined together. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him cry out. Let him seek God, praying through the Psalms, praying through the Scriptures, lifting up his suffering before God. Is anyone cheerful? Is anyone in a state of joy? Let him sing praise. Let him cry out to God in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, lifting up that joy to God. What's so crucial here is James is showing that we are in this together. <laughs> those who are in a time of joy must be singing out these praises and lifting up those who are suffering. We, we see the vital importance here. And those who are suffering and in times of grief and pain and agony are crying out to God. And we do this together as one body. Always to the Lord and always to together we see how vitally important it is that the body be unified that we know each other that we care for each other and that we be lifting each other up that's what's displayed here verse 14 is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord The name of the Lord, knowing that all the power and all the strength and all the glory comes from Jesus Christ. So this is all done in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. It's a beautiful image here. Here we display what's at the core aspect throughout Paul's writings, he lifts up the elders, he lifts up the pastors, those who are the small-s shepherds under Jesus Christ, who is the shepherd, who is the pastor. But we see this role of care, this role of prayer, this role of gathering around those who are in a time of pain and suffering and praying and lifting them up to the Lord and reading Scripture. And we see the promise there of God at work bringing about His will and His grace. In the midst of this calling of the elders and that role of anointing with oil and lifting them up in the name of the Lord, we see this aspect of one another. Remember, we see this throughout the Scriptures, this submit to one another, this pray for one another, this care for one another. And that's what we see displayed here in verse 16. Therefore, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. As we look at this characteristic of a healthy church, and this happens in different small groups that we have here, this happens in gatherings among some of us, in each other's homes, this happens in different things, but when you are able to be open and honest with one or a small group of other people. And when you know that they love you and care for you, and you are able to pray for each other and lift up each other in the Word, it is the most powerful, powerful thing you can experience. And when you see prayers being answered and you see God working in each other's lives, oh, that's again why I miss... Tim and Ann, oh, what a blessing. Tim and Ann were with us for, oh, a year and a half or so. And in that time, we prayed with them and they shared and we saw miracles take place. God restoring this relation, God doing this, this and that prayer. And it is the most powerful thing to lift up and give glory and praise to God, seeing prayers being answered for one another. And that's what we see James lifting up here. But that takes a caring. It takes a knowing. It takes a confessing. It takes a willingness to be vulnerable with those to whom we can trust, with those who are brothers and sisters in Christ, and to see the power of God do a mighty work. And Christ is lifted up. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. So we pray, we confess. And we lift this up. I love how James encourages us because he goes on in the second part of verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Oh, prayers of a righteous person. And at this point, we can be thinking, oh, I'm so glad there's this dear saint or there's this person or there's this... I know that if they pray, something will happen. But if I pray, eh, not so sure. I don't know if you ever fall in that trap. You fall in that understanding. Well, here James focuses on each and every one of us, and he makes an amazing statement. He talks about Elijah. This is verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Uh oh talking to every one of us remember that Elijah remember the one who prayed because he had Ahab and Jezebel and all their wickedness and all the adultery and they have their false prophets and Baal is being lifted up and all the wickedness you can imagine so God's displaying his judgment against them as a teaching lesson praise and it stops raining for three and a half years This is the same Elijah when he has them gather the prophets of Baal together for the fire to fall down on the altar and burn up the sacrifice. And he just prays a humble prayer. And God sends down his fire to display that there's only one true God. And then he prays again. He sees a small cloud and he tells Ahab, you better get to Jerusalem as fast as you can. Because it's going to rain. Remember that, Elijah? Well, guess what? He was a man just like you. He had a human nature just like you. The only thing is he trusted God, he had faith in God, and he's willing to be obedient to God in utter sacrifice and to lose everything for God. That's it. That's Elijah. So we see where James is lifting up Elijah and saying, you, you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you, if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you, despite of all your weakness and strugglings and doubts and sufferings, Elijah had those too, God can use you powerfully and effectively to change the lives of those around you. He can use you to speak the gospel, to pray for the lost, to reach out and see the powerful, mighty work of God's redemption take place in the lives around you. He can use you and your prayers just as mightily and effective as He used Elijah. Wow, this is exciting. This is good news. Because I think every one of us, if you go through the list here, every one of us, Do we have someone who's, or we ourselves could be the one, but do we know of someone who is in a time of terrible suffering? Okay, I think that has us all covered, right? Do we all have someone that we know is wrestling and struggling with doubts and concerns and is wandering away from the truth? Or doesn't want to have anything to do with Christ or Christianity? Yep, I think that, that covers us. And is any one of us struggling with ongoing sin and and just continually tripped up or we know someone who it just seems like they try to take one step forward and they go falling back, groping and trying to find their way in sin and struggle? Well, if that's you, I know that's certainly me. I know of people in all those situations and I myself fit in different areas. Pray like Elijah. Cry out to God in faith and hope and seek Him and know that He will do a powerful, mighty work. Because God is good. He brings healing, He brings forgiveness, and He brings restoration. So we see the powerful, the prayer. And as I said, James walks us through the Gospels. He walks us through the Gospels. Just before the passage we looked at of 13 through 20, if you look back a little little back in chapter 5, look at verses 10 through 11. This kind of sets us up for what we're looking at here. Here's the example he gives. Before he gives the example of Elijah, he says this. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. We see where he goes on about praying for the sick and raising them up in verse 15, and there we can see the story of the paralytic. Matthew chapter 9 is lifted up, and we can see that where Jesus speaks, Your sins are forgiven, take up your bed and walk, and that is displayed. We can see where it talks about the forgiveness of sins. We can see that confessing to one another again takes us to Jesus' teachings in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. We see the vital importance in our prayers, in our unity and community to keep very short accounts, to be seeking reconciliation, to be seeking reconciliation forgiveness to be confessing and having that healing take place within the community and ultimately as james this section ends with those who are wandering away my brothers if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and we'll cover a multitude of sins. And we see when James is teaching that, he's summarizing for us the understanding of Jesus' teaching of the hundred sheep. This is Matthew 18. Matthew 18, starting at verse 12. What do you think, Jesus says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray... Does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father, who is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. We know Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is so much a good shepherd that when we were wandering, this is a state of all of us before we come to salvation. We are dead, we are disobedient, and we are wandering away from the things of God. But Jesus loves us that much That he is not only the shepherd, but he is the sacrificial lamb. He goes to the cross to take our sins, to take the wrath of God that we deserve, so that we can have freedom and forgiveness and love. And we see where Jesus, when he finds us, he takes us up on his shoulders and he rejoices and he carries us to the Father. We know Jesus is a good shepherd. But then James 5 is taking that teaching and applying it to us. He's saying, you, be the shepherd. Seek the lost. Reach out to those around you who are wandering away. Plead with them. Cry out to them. Love them. Sacrifice for them. Give your life completely. Pick up your cross to follow Christ." for these people that they may be brought back. That their soul may be saved. Because it doesn't matter what sin they've committed. Is the blood of Christ sufficient? Yes. It doesn't matter how far they've wandered from God. Is the arm of Christ long enough to reach them and take a hold of them? Yes. It doesn't matter how much they've abandoned the things of God. Is the love of God mighty enough to take them and draw them and make them new? Yes. Pray like the Good Shepherd. Pray for the sheep that are lost. Pray for the sheep that are hurting. Pray for the sheep that are struggling sacrifice yourself that they may come to know Christ, know His healing, and know His forgiveness. That is the prayer of the Good Shepherd. And that is to be our prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your words here in James chapter 5. Father, we pray that You will just grow us in that desire to lift each other up in prayer. To confess to one another. To pray for each other in suffering. To pray for each other in sin. To pray for each other in hurting. And Father, we we seek You. That You will help us to pray and reach out to and sacrifice for the lost. So that they would come to salvation and know You. Father, we thank you that your Son, Jesus Christ, is the Good Shepherd. And we are so humbled that you call us also to follow, to reach out, to seek the lost. Father, we thank you that you are good and that the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross covers a multitude of sins. In Christ's wonderful name, Amen.